A small group of evil, satanic-worshipping elites have ruled the world and subjugated humanity for many millennia. They have caused oppression and controlled the economics and finances of the world. They have Their rule has resulted in murder and mayhem and all kinds of horrific things, again, since the days of Babylon. These elites will finally be judged in the end of the tribulation. And we will talk about it on this week's episode of Revelation Unveiled on Faith by Reason. Welcome to Faith by Reason. The website behind it all is faithbyreason.net. There you will find hundreds of hours of study material, blogs, podcasts, and videos. And we are continuing our study of the book of Revelation, and we are wrapping up our look at Revelation chapters 17 and 18, which is the end of human dominance and human government on the world before the return, before Armageddon, the wrath of God and the return of Jesus Christ. So this is the end of the human rule that had began with Babylon in uh, beginning in Genesis chapter 10 all the way through the end of history. And this is where everything wraps up, where, where God is judging all of these, all of the evil that has dominated the world. And, and again, this, this, this is the end of it. And in the last episode, we looked at Revelation chapter 17, which documented the end of religion, where these elites, these mystics, as I call them, have subjugated the world and ruled the world through two mechanisms. One of them is religion. The Their partnership with the demonic, with fallen angels, with demons, with unclean spirits, and with Satan himself, through which they have manipulated the belief system of belief systems of the world for again thousands of years to subjugate people. And we talked about that last time. This time we're going to look at Revelation chapter 18, where we look at the fall of their economic control, which is in its own way is just as powerful as the spiritual or religious control. Because if you control the finances, the wealth of the world, then you can control the people of the world on this physical plane. And these elites, these mystics who have been the powers behind the powers for all these thousands of years are unbelievably wealthy. They are far wealthier today than any of the people who we think are the richest folks in the world. People like, you know, Jeff Bezos of Amazon or Elon Musk of Tesla. They're billionaires, but they are basically middle class compared to the folks who are really behind the scenes running things. Those folks are trillionaires, not billionaires, trillionaires. And you probably don't know their names. If you know the names of people who you think are running the world, there's probably a level of people above them whose names you don't know, who are, who are more rich and powerful. And God is finally, finally going to judge them. And he's going to do it quickly. One thing we will find out about the way God, the way Jehovah administers justice, we'll see it a lot more when we get to the, um, the bowls of wrath, which we'll start studying in the next episode, that it happens quickly. Jehovah does not take his time with this. He does not enjoy judging people and torturing them. We do. We'd love for people who've done us wrong to experience long, slow, torturous justice, but not God. God takes no pleasure in judging the unrighteous. That's not who he is. That's not what he wants to do. He just wants to get it out of the way. He wants to judge them thoroughly and completely, but he wants it done quickly. And we will we will note that, especially we'll talk about it a little bit in this episode, but we'll see it a lot more in the next two episodes where we cover the bowls of wrath. 
Okay, so let's just start by um, reading Revelation chapter 18. We should be able to get through this entire in its entirety in this episode. All right, starting with chapter one. After these things, or metatauta, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul bird, and a cage for every unclean and hate, I'm sorry, every foul spirit, excuse me, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and am no widow, and will see no sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys her merchandise anymore, merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wool, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oils and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city, which was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all those who traveled by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, and saying, <clears throat> Alas, alas, that great city, in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard in you any more. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you any more, and the sound of the millstone shall not be heard in you any more. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you any more. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all nations were deceived, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and all who, slain, who were slain on the earth. Whew, okay, that is a lot. And I know it's a lot, but we will, still, we will be able to cover it um, in this episode because a lot of it is um, poetic language. And it, it, I think we can summarize a, a lot of it pretty fairly quickly. So 
what is happening here? Well, let's talk about what I don't think this is. I don't think this is the same judgment, the same timing as the previous chapter where the religious Babylon was judged. This is different. This is called Babylon the Great. And I believe this is not just, it's a part of the same system that these elites, these mystics have had for thousands of years, but I think it's a different aspect of it. In the last episode, we looked at their religious judgment, the judgment of all religions. And that judgment, ironically, is not directly done by God, by Jehovah, it is done by Satan and his minions. Because, why? Because, and, and I'll move this on in a different time. I believe that Revelation chapter 17 happens at the midpoint of the tribulation. However, this chapter will happen at the end of the tribulation during the bowls of wrath. And I, I will explain that as we go along. But again, to summarize from last time, the reason that all the false religions are judged is because at the midpoint of the tribulation is when the Antichrist and false prophet will demand that all worship go to the Antichrist and to Satan. That means that all other worship has to be squashed. Now, before this time, Satan had no problem if if you worship anyone except God, the God of the Bible. If you were Islamic, if you were Hindu, if you were Buddhist, if you were a pagan, no problem. Satan didn't care. As long as you didn't worship God, he, was, he, he would tolerate any other religions. But at the point of the midpoint of the tribulation, you don't have that option anymore. That flexibility is gone. You will either worship the Antichrist or you will die. That means that all other religions have the death penalty. So you have to say goodbye to Islam, goodbye to Hinduism, goodbye to Zoroasterism, goodbye to paganism, goodbye to Buddhism, all pagan to Celtic worship, all, all the different worships, worships and, um, you know, Incans and Mayans and all that stuff's got to go. You will only be able to worship the Antichrist. So the so they will have to destroy all other religions. And that includes Catholicism, which is not Christianity at the highest levels. I'm not saying that people who people who are practicing Catholicism don't believe in Jesus. I believe many of them do. I have friends who do. However, at the highest levels, when you look at the actual uh, Catholic hierarchy, it is not Christian. It is paganism with Christian names on it. And that's got to go to. We talked about that last time. Last time. I'm not going to dwell too much time. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. However, here we will see definitively that this judgment of Babylon the Great, not the whore of Babylon, which is, which again is religion, Babylon the Great is more commercial based. It's more about money and economics and finance, which you also need in order to rule people. You can rule people through religion, but you also need to, if you're going to be, be a total ruler, you need to rule them all, all as well through the um, through economics, through finance. That's the way that's the way the world works. And again, as we break these verses now, we'll see what that means and why I believe what I believe here. All right. So let's start breaking these verses down, starting with, with verse one. After these things or the term in Greek is metatauta. We've encountered this term several times. It means after this thing, it means that something has happened. And now the next thing has happened. Something else is happening. No, <laughs> I know it sounds pretty obvious, but it's, it's very important here because it speaks to my point that these two judgments are different. After these things, after what things? After what we just saw in the previous chapter, in chapter 17, we saw the judgment of religious Babylon. So this judgment is after that. It's not the same judgment. So that's one of my first proof points that these should not be combined, even though many Bible scholars look at 17 and 18 as the exact same judgment. It is not. It's two phases of judging the Babylon system, and it's a religious system, and it's also a commercial and economic system. So after these things, after the judge, after the judgment of religious Babylon, 
So this will happen at a different time. If the if religious Babylon is, is is judged at the midpoint of the tribulation, this will be later. I saw another angel coming out from heaven having a great authority, and earth was illuminated by his glory. Who is this angel? Now, the quick answer is we don't know. It doesn't say. There are theories that this angel, this angelos, this Elohim, is Jesus. Why? Because you know he has great authority and he's he he is full of light. So it could be, but we don't know that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna assume it's just not. I think it's just an angel with great authority. And, we, and again, we don't know who this angel is because we don't know the names of most angels. The Bible in, uh, implies that there are millions, if not billions, and billions of angels. And of those billions and billions, we only have really two angels that are named in the Bible: Michael, the the, the angel who's over Israel, and Gabriel. Who is a messian? Who, who's an angel who who delivers messianic messages? That's it. You could argue that we know the name of Satan, but I don't even think we do. I think we just know some titles of him. I don't think, even think we know the name, the true name of, of of the entity we call Satan. Some people say his name is Lucifer, based on uh, Isaiah chapter fourteen, where he's called uh, Lucifer, son of the morning. But Lucifer is a Latin name. The Latin name simply means light bearer. The if you translate the Hebrew directly. He's called Halal bin Shakar, which means light bearer, son of the dawn, or son of the, son of the first light. Those are titles. The light bearer is a title. It's not a name. Even when we go back to Genesis chapter 3, when he's called the Nahash, it means, that means the shining one. That's also a title. Could be his name, but it sounds more like a title. So we may not even know what the name of, of the entity we call Satan truly is. Why? Because... God knew, Jehovah knows that if we if we knew all the names of angels, we would worship them because that's who we are. Human beings are hardwired to worship the supernatural. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But that that's why of the billions of angels who are out there, the Bible makes sure we don't even know their names. I mean, now, if you look at uh, books like the Apocryphal Book of Enoch, we get names of other angels, specifically the ones who fell during the incursion in Genesis chapter six, which is. Um, again, um, expounded upon in Enoch, but, but even though, even with that, it's like, you know, maybe a dozen more names. So this angel, we don't know who he is, probably just, just, just an angel who has great authority. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the Great, which is again, a distinction from Babylon the Harlot, mystery Babylon, which we talked about last time, is fallen, is fallen. Why does it say it's fallen twice? That's a designation that the fall of Babylon is quick and complete. In Hebrew poetry, when you repeat something twice, it means it's, it's for emphasis and for brevity. So Babylon will fall completely and quickly and has become the dwelling place of demons, which is you know, pretty self-explanatory, a prison for every foul spirit. Uh, so now this place is where, so Babylon is where um, you know, unclean spirits and, and foul spirits are, are imprisoned and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. And understand when we're talking about birds here, this this is a spiritual. We're not talking about you know God hating you know parakeets and, and vultures and swallows and bluebirds. No, these are the ministers of Satan, and we see that when we look at the parables in uh, Matthew chapter thirteen when Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, and you know there and in, in the, in the sower sows seeds, and the birds of the air come and. Uh, take the take those seeds and Jesus when he gives an interpretation says that those birds 
are the ministers of Satan and the seed is the word of God. And they're saying these birds, these evil spirits come and, and pluck up the word of God so people can't hear it. And we also see in later in a later uh, parable that the a mustard seed parable in a mustard seed parable that it becomes a creed that grows so great that the birds of the air come and dwell in it. And the birds of the air again are the ministers of Satan there. So that's what it means by birds as an idiom. Okay. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Now, this harkens back to the last episode where we gave definitions of what fornication is. Fornication is not, is not, is not sex before marriage. Why? Because there's no such thing as sex before marriage. Sex is marriage. When you have sex with someone, the first person you have sex with, you have you have married them in the eyes of God. Sex seals a marriage covenant. And anyone you have sex with after that person, if you don't uh, dissolve the marriage biblically, you are committing adultery. So physically speaking, there's only two kinds of sex, marriage or adultery. That's it. Fornication is a sex act done as a form of illicit worship. Fornication means you are using your sexual energy to worship a different deity than God, than Jehovah. When you're having sex in a marital sense, in addition to obviously enjoying, you know, one of the fruits of marriage, you're also you're worshiping God when you have sex in a marriage. In a marriage, when you're having sex outside of that marriage covenant. In, in in worshiping another entity, then you're you're giving a sexual value to another entity, and of course we talked about what it means with the kings of the earth committing fornication with her. They are um, giving their spiritual intimacy to the false religion of mystery Babylon. And one thing I want to want to make clear here that I did not say in the last episode is that the kings of the earth aren't are not necessarily human kings. If you look throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament. People who are called kings are, are not necessarily human beings. And many times they are uh, spiritual entities who are over the nations. We see this in Isaiah chapter 14, where there where um, Isaiah begins a lament against someone called the Prince of Tyre, who's a human being. And then he elevates to the King of Tyre, who is a spiritual entity as actually Satan. And we see the same thing in Ezekiel chapter 28, where there is a prophecy against the Prince of Babylon. Um, who is a human being. And then that, uh, that that progresses to a lament, a prophecy against the king of Babylon, who is a spiritual entity. And again, in this case, Satan. So let's not look past the idea that these kings of the earth who are committing fornication with the whore of Babylon are also, could also be, and probably also are spiritual entities. So and that makes sense because that fornication goes back and forth and they're drunk with that fornication. They are drunk by getting that worship, that the illicit sex that uh, powers them. Why? Because when the two things that allow physical manifestation of evil spiritual entities that thins the veil between the physical and spiritual realm are blood and sexual energy. Why? Because both of those things are attached to life. There's something about the value and the energy of life that seems to thin the barrier between the two worlds. That's why there's always blood sacrifices in satanic worship. Why? Because we learn in Leviticus that life is in the blood. Spilling blood spills life force onto the ground and thins the veil. And of course, sexuality is another form of, of life energy because when you have sex, one of the things that could happen is that you could bring life into the world. So that's that. But here's what's important because what we were just talking about is, is very uh, similar to what we talked about last time. And it covers 
that spiritual aspect, but here's something new that's going, that is very germane to the rest of this chapter. It says, not only have the kings of earth committed fornication with her, it says, the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So now we have a new group of people who are introduced, not just the kings of the earth, as which we saw last time. Now we have the merchants of the earth are, have, have become rich through her luxury. So this is important. This is what separates Revelation chapter 18 from chapter 17. And it shows another reason why this is a different judgment. All right, moving on to verse four. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and you receive her plagues. For sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. So this is a warning to people who are in this. It's a system. It's not just a city. It is a system. And, and let me talk about that right now, because what we'll see of uh, something, we'll see more mentions of why this is a city and what and, and um, that and what the city means. And there are you know, all kinds of speculation about which city this is. And yes, it, it, it is all likely in all likelihood a physical city here on Earth. And again, we'll talk about who that, what that city might be and why it may or may not even be important. But keep in mind that we were in two realms. We're in the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And physically, a city is, yes, it's a certain plot of land where you have your know, buildings and a lot of people living there. But spiritually speaking, a city is a seat of government. A city is a realm through where through which people are governed. And it doesn't have to necessarily be locked into one physical location. It's just the it, it, it is, again, the seat of power. That's what city means spiritually. You know, so let's keep that in mind. And so when it says come out of her, my people, it's not just saying leave a certain city, whatever the city might be. And there are rumors of what the city could be. There's theories and we'll talk about them more. But, you know, some people say that the city, the the, the Babylon they're talking about is maybe it's the Vatican. Maybe it's New York City. Maybe it's London. Maybe it's Jerusalem or some of the great physical cities of the earth. And it could be one of those. In fact, I'm sure, I'm sure it probably is one of them. Some people even say it's going to be the rebuilt Babylon physically where Babylon was in, in southern Iraq. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But I think what's most important is that this city is the system. It is a system of the seat of government. And so what's being said here when it says to people come out of her is not it doesn't just mean come out of a specific city. It means come out of this system. Come out of the system that that, that of, of wealth that's being um, created and, and enjoyed through these illicit actions. And we'll see what these illicit actions are um, later on. And I think that this command to come out of her is not just contemporary to what's happening at the end of the tribulation. Because why? Because his people aren't going to be in the seat of power at the end of the tribulation or from the midpoint on. People are there. They're there now. But when you get to the end of the tribulation, when he says, come out of her, my people, well, God's people, be the Israel or the church, are not going to be in the seats of power. They're going to be killed because they aren't worshiping the Antichrist. If you're a Christian, you're not worshiping the Antichrist. If you're a a Jew, you're not uh, worshiping the Antichrist. So I think it's talking to us in this current, in, in our current um, uh, point of history and, maybe, and even people in the past saying, come out of this system. Don't indulge in the, the system that is allowing the power to be held by these elites. Because if you do, then you will be guilty of those sins and be worthy of the judgment. All right, move on. Uh, she rendered to her, she rendered to you, repay her double according to her works. 
and so forth and so on. So what basically it's saying is that she's about to get justice. She being this city, being this system of luxurious wealth that has oppressed people through this false worship and through the subjugation of the governments of the world, through the kings of the world, through all of history. Remember, the people who are who are human rulers, they're not the ones in power. There are people behind them that are in power. We talked about this last time. Whoever the president of the United States is, is not the most powerful person or persons in the country. Why? Because the president's gone they can, after four or, or, or eight years if they get reelected. But there are people behind the scenes who have been in power for decades who are not elected and who have way more power than the person who's the president. People of these, people of these uh, organizations like the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberger Group, the, the Club of Rome, the, um, the Skull and Bones, the Scroll and Key. The, you know, the deep state stuff we've been hearing about the last few years, like the CIA and the FBI, these people are in power and they've been in power for decades, you know, and but they've never been voted in and they'll never be voted, never be voted out. As presidents come and go, these people are always in power and they're never elected. No one elected Henry Kissinger or Zygmunt Brzezinski or Valerie Jarrett or the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds or any of these other people who, well, power, Klaus Schwab and the, what, what is the, the current one, the, um, the World Economic Forum, all these people are never elected, yet they have incredible sway and power over the rest of the world. These are the folks and the people above them who are really running things, and they never get voted out of office because they're never voted in. And and throughout history, these folks have been ruling the world and suppressing people and subjugating them and killing and slaughtering and doing all kinds of unspeakable things to women and children and uh, controlling the finances and controlling the supply of food. Again, these are trillionaires. If they spent 1% of their money to on food, they could feed every starving person in the world, but they don't do it because they don't care about people. They only care about amassing powers and worshiping their satanic masters. They, they, could, they could end all of the economic power problems of the world instantly, but they don't. They instead consolidate their power. And this is where they're being judged. And God is saying, come out of her or you'll, or you'll get, of her, uh, get her judgment. And this judgment is going to be rendered to her the same way it was rent her being the cities and the power written the same way that she gave it to others. So these people who have robbed and these people and entities who have robbed the world of their economic wealth and their freedoms are going to have that same economic wealth and freedom taken from them. Uh, verse seven, in the measure where she glorified herself and lived luxuriously in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. And so as, as much as, as they've lived luxuriously, they're going to have the opposite. Now they're going to be living in the poverty that they have subjected other people to. Now, here's something interesting that we see um, at the end of verse seven. It says, for she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and see no sorrow. What does this mean? I think here is where this symbolic woman, who is again Mystery Babylon and Babylon the Great, she is she is contrasting herself with Israel. The, in Israel or Jerusalem is a city of God. Babylon is a city of Satan, and she's contrasting herself. Why? Because one of the things, one of the titles of Israel when she is fallen is the widow of Jehovah. Jehovah basically, when when Israel back in the Old Testament kept going after false gods and worshiping uh, these other deities. 
Jehovah temporarily divorced her. He said, I'm no longer your husband. I, and you are no longer my wife and you are, you're widowed from me. So that's one of the things that Israel was called. She was called the widow of Jehovah. And also, um, the you have the term, the queen of heaven. This goes back to Semiramis. Semiramis, the wife slash mother of Nimrod, the first dictator of the world. And, and you know, we see her influence after that and, and to this day when, you know, the Catholics falsely call her Mary. Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is not the same as Semiramis, but or the queen of heaven, but that's what Catholics call her. They call her the queen of heaven, which is the same title of Semiramis or Ashtaroth or Astarte, the mother goddess. They just basically, again, took their, that old pagan mother goddess and slapped the name of Mary, the mother of Jesus, onto that. It has nothing to do with her. Nevertheless, she, one of her titles is the queen of heaven. So she is saying, I'm the queen of heaven and I'm not a widow. She's saying, I'm not like you, Israel. You know, your God divorced you. You, you're a widow of your God. I'm a queen. I'm the queen of heaven and I'm not a widow. So this is a arrogant, boastful statement. And she says, yes, it is a queen and no widow and I will see no sorrow. Well, that's not true because it says her plagues will come in one day. Despite the fact she thinks she's a queen and will never see any sorrow, she will, all of her plagues will come in one day. Death and mourning and famine and she will be utterly burned by fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. So again, this judgment comes from God. This is not like the judgment of Mystery Babylon, the religion which happens through satanic forces. This judgment happens from, happens from God and it's going to be in one day, death, mourning, and famine. Notice that one day, like I said earlier in this episode, God does not take pleasure in judgment. He's, it's not, he's not going to let this linger. He's not going to just enjoy torturing her this, this city, this system, it's just going to fall and collapse greatly in one day. And she will have death, mourning, and famine, even though this has been nothing but luxury for this, for this system, wealth and luxuries, it's all going to be gone. And she, instead of being full of uh, delicate, uh, delectable food and luxuries, she's going to be in famine and in mourning. All right. Um, moving on. We now see when this judgment comes, that there are going to be groups of people who are lamenting, who are crying over her, who are distraught at this, the, the end of her. And, and it will say why. It says the kings of the earth of the first group who committed fornication, we talked about that before, and lived luxuriously with her. You know, the, the human and you can say the spiritual kings of the earth have, have benefited greatly from the wealth amassed by this system of elites who control the money and the power of the earth and you know, withhold that from the, from the people. They're going to weep and lament for her because it's all gone. All their wealth is gone. Here's something interesting we're going to see a few times. They're standing at a distance for fear of her torment. And they say, alas, alas, the great city is has been judged. So they're not going to be, they're going to be standing away. So, so, so however this city is judged, it is going to be something that's going to be so devastating. They're, people are going to just, just leave and, and, and look at it from a distance. They're not going to be there. Then a second group. See, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn, just like the kings did. For no one buys their merchandise anymore. And then in verse 12, we see in verse 12 and 13, actually all, all the way through um, through 15, it names all the luxuries, things like, you know, gold and silver and precious jewelry and silk and ivory and all these all, all these precious luxurious items. The merchants are, are, are mourning and complaining and because no one buys luxury items from them anymore. Why is no one buying luxurious things when this judgment happens? 
This is important because this is, is one of my proof points of why I believe this happens during the wrath of God, the wrath of Jehovah that will happen right before the end of the tribulation. I don't believe this, hap this happens at the midpoint. I believe this is at the very end. And I think what's happening here is part and parcel of the bowls of wrath, which we'll begin studying in the next episode. Why? Why would no one buy luxurious items? Well, some people believe that this is analogous to what's going on in in Revelation chapter six. When we look at the, at the six seals, specifically the third seal, which brings out the black horseman who says um, who has the scales of it about scales of balance in his in his hand and says, you know, um, one quart of wheat for a day's wage or three three measures of barley for a day's wage, which means basically at this point it will it will cost an entire day's wage for one quality meal or for three low quality meals. This is hyperinflation. It means that the money is worth worth less. It's not due to the lack of material or lack of food. It's just money is going to be worth so much less. It's hyperinflation. And there are those who I talked about before who believe that Revelation chapter six is just an overview of what's happening throughout the rest of the book. So it's not a distinct thing. It's just it's it's an overview. So that so they see what's happening here in Revelation chapter 18 with no one buying luxury goods as the same as the black horseman and hyperinflation. I disagree. And I think there's a really clear, blatant distinction, because while it says you in in, in um in Revelation chapter six with the black horseman, that it will cost an entire day's wage just to have food. It also says, do not hurt the oil or the wine. Basically, the oil of the oil and wine are not affected by the third seal and the black horseman. Oil and wine are luxury items. Luxury items will not be affected, meaning the rich the super rich will not be affected. Only working class and below will be affected by hyperinflation. That is a complete contrast to what we see in Revelation chapter 18, verses 11 through 14, where luxury items are specifically affected. Again, in chapter six of Revelation, luxury items are specifically said they are not harmed. In chapter 18, the luxury items are specifically targeted. So it's not the same thing. Why would people not buy luxury items? The earth has, has the world has experienced famines before. It's, we've experienced war, we've experienced desolation, but people have always hoarded gold and silver and precious things, even in the worst of times. You even look at it today. When you, if you go to you know websites and and listen to people who talk about prepping for disaster. People who who believe, many of them Christians who believe, you know, the world is, is coming to an end soon and we need to prepare for it. What do they tell you to do? They say, buy gold and silver. You know, get off the dollar. The dollar is a fiat currency, which it is. That's true. It's, it's, you know, it's worth nothing. It's just, it's not even worth the papers printed on, literally. You should get real money. You should get gold and silver. Well, here we see that gold and silver aren't even going to be valued. What would, what could happen to get us to the point where luxury items are no longer valued. There's only one thing I can think of. The only reason you wouldn't want luxury is if the luxury items were less important than basic survival. Okay, I you have to be at a point where if you don't care about gold and silver and pearls and silks, it's only because those things are worthless now because there are other things that are more important like your basic survival. Human beings need three things to survive. They need food, they need water and shelter. Now, once you have food, water and shelter, everything else is a luxury. 
So if luxuries are no longer valued, that means that all of resources are just going into getting food, water, and shelter. And I think that is indicative of what things will be like during the bowls of wrath. And again, we're going to start getting into that in the next episode, but the world is going to be devastated by those bowls of wrath in ways we've never seen before. All water is going to be gone. It's going to all be turned to blood, fresh and salt water, gone. All food is going to be gone. Animals are going to be gone. Grains are going to be gone. So who cares about how much gold you have if you don't have food? You can, you can find the richest person in the world who has tons of gold and tons of jewelry. Who cares if, you, if they can't find food? You, you can't eat gold. You can't eat jewelry. You can't eat diamonds. You know, silver is not going to offer you shelter. You can't drink it. So that tells me that this is happening at the end of the tribulation, because as we see, as we'll see in the bowls of wrath, once those are poured out, there's not going to be any of those basic things that people need to survive. The earthquakes are going to get rid of the shelters. The plagues are going to get rid of food and water. And who gives a darn about silk and hoarding that stuff when you're just trying to find something to eat? And that's why the merchants will mourn, because no one's going to buy it from them. Who's Again, no one's going to buy these luxury items if People are just scrambling to put enough food in their mouths, even the rich. So the rich are going to be affected by this. Okay, uh, 15. The merchants of these things became rich by her, but stand at a distance. Again, we see that we see that, that, that phrase again, standing at a distance for fear of her torment and weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city which was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. What does that mean, purple and scarlet? We saw it before. Purple and scarlet are is the garb of the priests of the false religions, the priests of paganism. And in, in this case, it's Catholicism. They wear those purple and gold robes because it's because they, they, these are the, the priests of paganism. That's what they wear. And, and it says all those great riches in verse 17, for in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. So when this judgment, this quick judgment happens, Everything is going to be wiped out and no one is going to care about these luxury items. So this is basically the end of luxury. This is where the rich get punished. So if you're one of those folks who hate the so-called 1% and you know, despise and hoarding, hoarding wealth, well, hey, here, here's this should be your favorite chapter in the whole Bible because it shows how luxury is going to come to nothing. So we have so far we have two people, the kings of the earth are going to lament over the of the destruction of of these elites this the woman the great babylon the great we saw the merchants of the earth are going to mourn over her because no one buys her goods and finally we have every shipmaster again in verse 17 every shipmaster and all those who travel by ship and sea stood at a distance once again and cried out saying seeing when they saw the smoke of her burning saying who was like this great city and they threw dust on the head and cried out weeping and wailing they basically lament the end of this system. And so, so we have the kings of the earth, the merchants of the earth, and those who trade by sea. So this, again, is all economics. This is not about the religious part. The religious part was taken care of at the three and a half year point. This is the end of the tribulation. And this is when all the luxury items are gone. The economy has completely collapsed because who cares about luxury items when you can't even find a morsel of bread or meat to eat? And so the people who made their riches on dealing with the luxury and dealing with the elites and the super rich, they're done. It's all over with. And they all stand at a distance from the smoke of her burning, meaning that however she is judged is going to be through fire. And we, we will see that 
in this a little later in this chapter and also when we get to the plagues this city this physical location is judged by fire and also and also spiritually it's judged i believe by spiritual fire Okay, uh, verse 19, they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships of the sea became rich by her wealth for in one hour, she's made desolate. Again, this will happen very quickly. It won't be drawn out. God will judge this city in like immediately. It'll just be a, a, a nuclear, I'm being uh, metaphorical here, I don't think but God's going to throw a nuclear bomb. But I mean, it'll, it'll be a nuclear type attack where it will just be one devastating attack and then everything is gone. Okay, verse 21, the, a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, thus with great violence, a great city Babylon shall be thrown down and not found anymore. So again, this speaks to the suddenness and the violence, the quickness. God is not going to linger. He's just going to wipe this city out. And it talks about the sound of harpists and musicians and flutists and trumpeters. That means there's going to be no more. These, this all symbolizes the entertainment. Again, the, you know, the luxury, the uh, all of the things that... Uh, people value the leisure, you know, the luxury, the entertainment is never going to be found anymore in this city, in this system. There's going to be no more free time, no more hanging out, drinking wine, eating cheese. There's going to be no more, you know, listening to music and, and all the things that human beings consider luxury. Remember what people want or what they, what the ultimate goal of man is, is to live a life of leisure and luxury with all the money you could want, all the sex you could want. You know, all the material gains you can want. You just, you know, just lay back in your big house, buy your pool, and just, you know, enjoy the life you got. Well, that's that's all going to be gone. And it, it said it will never be heard from anymore. This system of illicit wealth is finally dead. And it says, for your merchants, I'm reading the uh, verse 23, for your merchants, for your merchants were the great men of the earth. And for by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. That word sorcery is the Greek word pharmakeia, which is where we get the word pharm, uh, pharmaceuticals. And that's I, that's not by accident because the great well, some of the greatest wealth of the world is, it, it happens through drugs. They actually call them the the economic economists call them the the, the god wealth which is the, the three great sources of wealth not god in the sense of what we think god this is a simple god um is guns oil and drugs those are the three main sources of wealth on the earth uh trading of illicit arms through guns oil which is currently you know the biggest uh, resource for fuel and drugs the pharmaceutical companies make billions if not trillions of dollars through legal and illegal drugs pharmacaea and that's going to be gone as well and, th so, and through that sorcery through the pharmacaea through these drugs and nations are deceived we're deceived through the pharmaceutical drugs that we're exposed to and i'm not going to get into what those uh one of the pharmaceuticals that we're dealing with right now because by when i talked about that before on and put this on youtube i got my video banned so i'm not going to I'm not going to speak to it specifically, but I think you know one of the main pharmaceutical injections that is being perpetrated on people. But I'm just going to leave it at that. Last verse. For in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints of all, and all those who were slain in the earth. And we talked about this last time that this is the this system has resulted in so much death and murder of people who 
are the saints of God. The people who believe in Jesus have been just slaughtered all over the world. We don't see that much in the West because we are privileged for the for the time being to not see that. But in other parts of the world, Christians are slaughtered and it's been, it's been happen, happening for millennium. But one thing that's very interesting, and we're going to go back up to verse... Um, verse 13, where it's talking about some of the things that some of the luxuries that are part of the system. It says a cinnamon and incense and fragrant oils and frankincense and wine and oil. We know what that means. Fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and horses. We know what those are. And chariots and bodies and souls of men. What does it mean by souls of men? It means that one of the luxuries that this system trades in is human trafficking, slavery. Throughout history, human beings have been used as slaves, sex slaves and physical labor slaves. We have a history of that in this country. You know, it was technically ended, you know, after our civil war, but there's still sex trafficking, which is rampant in this country and in a lot of other countries and slavery still exists. So that's another thing that this system trades in is human trafficking. So we should not forget about that. And that's another thing that Jehovah is finally going to avenge all of these people who have suffered so mightily from this system for thousands of years. All right. So this is going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end quickly. It's going to come to an end by fire. Jehovah is going to judge and throw down this city immediately and everything that has been uh, all the luxuries of the world that have been mounted up trillions and trillions of dollars over thousands and thousands of years is going to be completely worthless overnight. All of the wealth that's been amassed by all these people is going to be worthless. And that's going to be part of the judgment. And we'll get into some details starting next week, when, well, next time, hopefully next week, when we uh, start talking about the bowls of wrath. One thing I want to talk about before we end this, and that is the city itself. What is the city that is being talked about here, the Babylon the Great. I've already given you my answer. I think the city spiritually is a system. I don't think it's necessarily tied to one geography because we saw in, earlier in our study, like you know, a couple, almost what, a year or so ago, when we were going through the seven letters of seven churches, we looked at the, at the third letter to the church at Pergamum and it, Pergamum was, was said to be where the city where Satan dwells. So that was a city at the time that had the, the satanic influence. Pergamum, is, Pergamum was in ancient Turkey. It was not there anymore. I mean, the city of Pergamum, the ruins are there, but that's not where the seat of power currently is. It transfers as, as things go on in time. So let's just address this really quickly. So some people will say that the, the final Babylon the Great is a current city on earth because again we, we get a little myopic and we believe that we're in the end times which I, I believe that as well but you know it might not be during my lifetime maybe 100 years from now or two or 500 years from now i don't think so but it could be in which case it doesn't matter what cities are great now it's going to matter what cities are great if it is a just a physical city when this time comes so when people say it's new york or it's london or it's vatican city eh, maybe but again, that's only if it's, if it's going to occur in, in the next few decades. I think Vatican City is a good example because uh, Vatican City or Rome sits on seven hills. And that's a one of the descriptions that the city sits on seven hills or seven mountains. 
But the other cities sit on seven mountains. Rio de Janeiro sits on seven hills and seven mountains, and no one really considers that to be a great, it's, it's a great city, but it's not anywhere near as influential as the others. But also keep in mind that we're speaking spiritually as well. Those hills and mountains can even represent kingdoms, the seven kingdoms that have ruled the earth since the beginning, you know, starting with Babel all the way up to Rome. I think that's more of a, of a historic spiritual sense. And of course, hills or mountains are areas where the physical and the spiritual world intersect. So it may not be as, uh, as, as didactic, as denotative as seven physical hills. But I, I think that, you know, Rome and Vatican City is a good guess. There are also some who believe that this city will be the actual Babylon, that Babylon that sits on the Euphrates River at the lower part of Iraq will be rebuilt. And there are some who, who you know, want to die on that hill, who hang their head on that. You know, my former mentor, Chuck Missler, believed that very strongly. There's others who also believe that it will be rebuilt. I mean, there's no evidence of it now because there's no reason for the area of Babylon to be rebuilt. There's not, there's no significant, there are no natural resources, no reason that you want a city there. It's not even on a port necessarily. However, a hundred years ago, you could have said that same thing about Israel, that there was no reason for Israel to become a nation again. They don't have any natural resources per se. They're not, they don't sit on any great stores of oil yet, you know, overnight it, Israel became a nation in 1948. It went from being nothing, that uh, an area that nobody really cared about, to suddenly being a nation and now one of the more powerful nations on earth. So it's possible that Babylon could be rebuilt with our technology. We could build a city in a matter of a couple of decades. You could go from having nothing to having you know skyscrapers there. So again, that's possible. So what's my answer? Where do I think the city is? I don't know. I mean, that's really my answer. I don't know where the physical city is. And honestly, I don't think it's that important. I think what's important is that the system is going to be destroyed and wherever that system happens to be headquartered when this period of time happens, I think it will, it will be physically judged by fire. And we'll see that in the uh, the plagues, in the, the seven last plagues of seven bowls of wrath. But I don't think it's very fruitful, fruitful right now to try to guess where the city is. If it's New York, if it's London, if it's Vatican City, if it's Rome, if it's Jerusalem. I don't think it's Jerusalem, but because yeah, Jerusalem is, is always juxtaposed to Babylon, whether it is a rebuilt Babylon, we'll have to wait and see. But again, I, I wouldn't stress over that because I'm, I'm more concerned with the spiritual than the physical. All right, we're 50 minutes. I went over the amount of time I thought this would take, but yeah, there we are. So um, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching. I appreciate that as well. Please subscribe to faithbyreason.net. As you may have heard in, in the last episode that I put up, actually the, the last video I put up, um, I've been censored by YouTube um, for uh, for not saying the right thing, I guess. And so that could happen again at any moment because who knows, their, their standards are very arbitrary. So it could be a point where I am no longer on YouTube, in which case, if you go to faithbyreason.net, you will know where I am and you'll always have access to the latest information. So please subscribe there. Subscribe to YouTube as well. And... Um, you know, for as long as I'm there, you can still get access to my videos and I appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time when we go back to Revelation chapters 15 and 16 and start talking about the wrath of God, his final wrath, his final judgment on the unbelieving world, on the spiritual evil that has plagued us from the beginning.